0: Didn't act like good monsters. Okay.
1: Confession time. This is truly one of my favorite Christmas songs. Checking it twice. Frankenstein wanted a shiny new trike. A new chain for Janusz. A brace for Igor's back. A speed shaver for Wolfman. A new cape for Drak. I mean, they were up to no good. who can deny
2: a song Didn't where like Frankenstein just sure. wants a new trake for Christmas? That's always how I imagined a great Christmas to, to be anyway. To to and so with that, here we go into part two of the first ever bankadelic holiday extravaganza where we gathered not one, not two, not five... 11 guests from the financial services industry to talk about their views on banking. In part one, they talked about the year that has just passed. Today on this episode, they'll be talking about 2021, the year to come. I know from a health science level, from a financial science level, from an investment science level, from an everyday spiritual level. We are all looking forward to this year with the news that Pfizer, Moderna, BioNTech, and probably Novavax are releasing vaccines. We will turn the corner on COVID. That is truly what I believe. And there is a hope that we're going to return to normal or maybe this is a new abnormal. And so it's going to be interesting to pick the minds of these wonderful guests and see what they think about what's ahead in 2021 and what you all might be preparing yourselves for in 2021. Because as much as our predictions are valuable from people like you who have that tremendous insight, I know as a podcast host and a person in financial Services I'm preparing for things that I am not sure what they're going to be. And really quickly to start the conversation, I think for me, and I stand more as an interested observer to financial services as opposed to someone who runs a fintech, for example. The thing I wonder about is now that life may be returning to a point where we can go out, go to restaurants. Have we seen a permanent shift to work at home, or is that going to now return to being the baseline for financial services organizations? One thing I think about is, wow, these companies have all had a chance to save on rent and building expenses, physical plant expenses. And they've seen without a doubt that people can be productive working at home. But the other side of that is the loss of synergy that happens when people are in a room bouncing ideas off of each other, meeting by chance in hallways very quickly. By way of anecdote, the way that the Pixar headquarters was designed was that people would meet by chance in the main atrium and the hallways, and these discussions would start and ideas would be generated. And it explains the immense productivity that came out of a vision Steve Jobs had. Now, launching into the conversation at large, what do you think is going to happen in 2021? And what might you be preparing for as you do business in hopefully a fantastic new year?
0: Hey, Lou, it's Bob. I'll jump in. I think it's going to be interesting. I think people are going to be out of their offices longer than we think, because I think Many banks are very cautious. I think the most interesting thing to me is data is going to become really important because the real interesting thing is what's going to be the new normal with our customers? Are they going to keep doing digital? Or are they going to come back in the branches? Or are we going to have people in the branches? So I think there's going to be a new desire for bankers to understand what's going on with their customers.
2: Indeed. I mean, the customers are shifting too, right? So it's going to be a little bit of a dance for a
1: while. Lou, Jerry Craft here, and we're in the credit card. We call it credit card, but it's really an account because it's going contactless in addition to digital. And what we do is while we like to make predictions, we also like the word that was just used data. And we're monitoring all the spend across our clients by merchant category code each day, and we look at it weekly and monthly. For example, since COVID started, Airlines were down 96% in April. They're now down about 50, but they were back to 70 or 80 right here at the Thanksgiving week. You also had hotels, not as badly. But then on the other side, you've had winners, contracted services. I mean, the Home Depots, the refurbishing. So what we're seeing is a shift. And I believe we'll have a blend of after a COVID vaccine gets widely out there, a blend of the historical norms that we are used to, but we're going to continue to see the march of digital, of work from home, and the data is all important. And I pretend that if I know all of your transactions on your credit card, I can look at those and have a pretty good idea of what you're doing and what you're spending. If I have your checking account in addition to that, I know a lot about Luke. I'm glad somebody does. And it's that data and the ability to use that data while you protect privacy, but also use it for rich customer experiences. That's going to be the winners going forward that are adapting on a monthly, weekly, and daily basis to the consumer behavior. Yeah, this is Michael Witt. That resonates with us at
3: Apex Edge significantly as well. Our solutions specifically allow our partners to use those actionable insights, all of that data that banks and FIs and PFMs and credit unions have, and then generate a meaningful conversation, a targeted conversation with their customers using that data you know, bringing solutions, not just additional products, not just additional expense, but truly added values to customers by leveraging that data and making it not just advice, but actionable within their
4: native ecosystems. This is Gabe Bradrick. I think that's a huge point. Data is going to be absolutely huge. I also think that part of what's going to make it such a big deal is you know, in 2014, I believe, fintech loan originations were only 4% of the total market. So 96% was basically banks, credit unions, traditional lenders. 4% in 2014 has grown to uh, last year. I want to say it was 36 to 38. I don't remember the exact number. And so like, imagine if Netflix had been at like 37% market share. And blockbuster sitting there saying we still, we're still hanging on. We're doing it. And then imagine if a pandemic hit and nobody could go to the blockbuster anymore. I don't have the data for 2020 on total loan originations. I would be shocked if it's not 50% to the FinTechs. And so I think what's gonna end up happening is that pressure is not gonna ever let off. Every time we've seen when consumers make a shift to a different type of technology, it never reverses, it only continues in that direction. And so for community FIs in particular to be relevant, they're gonna need data, just like others have said. Also, they're gonna need to have products that match what the other people have, and they're gonna need means by which they can market those products and platforms that allow them to stand toe to toe with these fintechs that are out there with really hot products and loud voices that consumers hear.
3: Yeah, Gabe, this is Nathan. When I was thinking through 2021, you know, that idea of fintech companies or SaaS companies basically trying to replace the banking services. I mean, that's been a long-term trend, but there's no doubt that the catalyst towards digital adoption was just kicked off in a greater speed than ever before because of the pandemic. And so, you know, folks like QuickBooks, folks like Stripe, FinTech, Loan Origination, all those different types of things, they're getting into banking. And not only are they getting into banking, bankers are actually enabling them. You know, one of the big trends people have been talking about, and it's only going to increase, is banking as a service, right? So you basically lend out your charter to these FinTech or SaaS companies so that they can offer them. And a lot of people are excited about it. The problem is, is there's not going to be a lot of winners on the banking side, There's going to be very few banks that are going to be able to get the technology in place and then be picked by the winners on a lot of volume there. So how is it that the banks and the credit unions can continue to be adding services and offering services that meet the digital requirements that consumers and businesses are requiring of them while still being the star, if you will, or being the one that owns the relationship? And I got to say, there's some pretty interesting things going out there. You know, Google has talked quite a bit about their banking offering they want to do. They're going about it differently than most other software companies. They're actually trying to co-brand both some of the mega banks as well as, you know, credit unions and community banks. And there's some other players, you know, Gabe, your company, Casasa is one of those, trying to give digital products to banks and credit unions so they can still be the stars. Autobooks is another one saying, look, Small business owners don't go to QuickBooks and have everything there. You should expect those types of services from your bank, and the bank should be offering it. Built is another one on the construction side. This is exactly what we do at Z Suite as well. But I'm concerned about banking as a service and SaaS companies replacing a lot of banks. If we don't figure out as an industry how to make sure that the banks and credit unions continue to be the ones that have those relationships, there's going to be a lot of disruption coming in 2021 and beyond.
2: This is
5: Jill, and I think that's the challenge for all of us here at the cocktail party, right, is to provide technology so that banks and credit unions, community banks, community credit unions can function at the same level of some of those entities you just described. I also think blurring the lines between that digital experience and that in-branch experience, because there are things that we sometimes crave about the in-person experiences, that's our challenge as well. And when I think about this, because we've been watching this trend and watch it play out over this year, we've all talked about the hidden blessing in the pandemic is that it has enabled a sharper prioritization and focus in really all of our aspects of our lives. I've heard us all say, talk about personal and professional. I think people are going to be stingy with that, even though after the vaccine is in place and it is going to be in person, things that really matter to us. And we're going to want the frictionless digital and unique experience. We're seeing two trends and I think they're gonna continue to accelerate in 2021. And number one, and I think this is, I agree with every one of you on the data issue. I think we are seeing financial institutions become savvier in the way that they analyze and use data. I think hand in hand with that, what we're seeing is customers are increasing their trust and their comfort level with some of the things that you guys described, right? You know me. And you're not using it in a creepy way. You're using it in a way that makes my experience digitally unique. The result we're going to see in 2021 because of that is better customer service than we've ever seen before in this industry. So I think that's the challenge for all of us here at this party is how do we enable those so that they can have the same tech as some of those big fintechs and some of the big banks that have been the only ones possessive of it in the past.
3: You know, Lou, another trend that I've been thinking a lot about, and this is very driven to the pandemic, and my crystal ball is a little bit cloudy on this one, but I'm hopeful for it. I've always been a big believer in distribution of power. You know, having too much power in one individual from a decision-making standpoint has been proven time and time again not to be good, right? Centralization versus decentralization. That's one of the things that's powerful about the United States. We have 50 individual states with people all across the country with different experiences that can create different types of communities to be able to fit the needs of those particular communities. And having that decision-making decentralized at the community level is super powerful. I'm wondering if... Because of the fact that virtual work environments are becoming more and more accepted, I'm bullish that we're going to get a boom in rural communities throughout the entire United States and have a decentralization of the power of certain populations within the country. In other words, you know, a flight from the big cities to smaller cities. And when they go to those smaller cities, how well are we going to be able to help those financial institutions in those smaller cities to capture those new relationships and build? thousands of thriving technology-focused ecosystems across the United States rather than 10 or 20 where we're at now. And I think that could be really, really interesting, not just for our industry, but for our country as a whole that could really unlock tons of potential, tons of wealth, tons of, you know, new productivity all throughout the United States. Absolutely. And the decentralization of power
2: is, I think, a hot, theme for 2021 because we have seen what happens when people are given the reins to have a responsibility, own it, and take it to that next level. Work at home really accelerated that and I think corrected a lot of the perceptions about two things. Number one, that you had to, pardon my French, have your ass in a chair At work in order to be productive and get anything done. And number two, that there was a top-down supervision, a top-down preference as to which ideas got implemented. And with everybody sort of decentralized physically, individual employees had to step up. They had to have that leadership underneath the main leadership. And in quite a few cases, you saw revolutionary things happen. I absolutely believe in the concept of giving total ownership to the people who help run the operation. There still has to be leadership at the top. But in some of the books that I've read, in particular, there was a book called Enlightened Leadership, where they talk about this idea that whoever is at the top is more of A funnel to bring together the best ideas and then move forward with a vision that incorporates some, many, or all of them. And by necessity, a lot of people had to wing it. I know I had to wing it with a lot of the work I've done during the year, but that was either something that was terrifying or an opportunity. And for me, it was a little bit of both, actually, because I did not know what to do being cut off from. People I worked with were just a year and a half before I was in an office and doing a lot of that type of work. So, definitely something to look at in the year ahead. Anybody else want to sound off on this?
0: Hey, Lou, it's Bob. I would add one more thing to that, which is, you know, there was a time when people worked in offices together, and if you had questions, you could talk to each other. It's much harder now. I think the other thing that's going to happen with decentralization is our bankers are going to be all spread out. And there are a lot of platforms that are great at providing data to analysts. But at White Clay, we actually provide the data to bankers. And I think getting data in the hands of bankers so that it's usable as they're distributed out of their houses or wherever they're working from, empowering frontline bankers.
2: Absolutely. And on that note, I'm wondering if there is anything that you personally and or professionally, the collective view I'm talking about, are looking forward to in 2021. I know for me, and I'll kick this off, I'm very much looking forward to seeing whether the incredible acceleration in technology and technology adoption continues. So at the baseline, we may not be in pandemic mode at some point, But technology has had to accelerate at such a rate that maybe the momentum from that acceleration continues. I compare it to the effect of when you are driving a car, if you're at a high speed and you hit the brakes, the car doesn't suddenly stop. It keeps going for a while. And it may be that people in the industry are comfortable, even exhilarated by having their foot on the gas, and that we're going to see a lot of huge breakthroughs in 2021.
5: I think absolutely, Lou. I think we're going to be stingy with focus and we're not going to go back. Personally, I see that and I think we're going to see it inside the financial services industry.
3: Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to seeing the speed and pace that was set for our industry and the ability to absorb change and adapt and do new things to continue in the future and see how that can change the trajectory of what has been going on. I'm really excited about that. Personally, I'm also really looking forward to getting back to the time when I can, you know, see loved ones and give them hugs again here at home with my wife and my three kids and her dog. And I love all of them greatly, but I'm looking forward to seeing some more people in person and giving them hugs as well and saying hi in person. And I know that's going to happen. Absolutely. I know I've got two teenagers, two
2: teenagers, by the way, who know everything and (laughs) they're sick of the dad jokes. It's an anxiety thing maybe, but I've just accelerated the level of dad jokes to three X. And that means the number of eye rolls have accelerated by six X. So they're looking forward to getting out and I'm a coffee shop nut by the way. So I am just looking forward so much to doing my tour of Chicago area coffee shops. And to any of you, I'm also a travel person. I love to travel. So if I'm coming to your towns, I'm going to ask you from the bottom of my caffeinated heart to please take me to a coffee shop in your locale that is special to you. There is one last thing I'd like to ask you. And if you're all comfortable, I would love to hear your answers. I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. I think that that is setting someone up for failure. I've certainly lost count of the number of times I was going to do sit-ups and made it through January 4th and just, you know, threw my shoes at the wall in disgust or went back to eating cheesecake. But I do believe in goal setting. And this year, because of the extraordinary circumstances, a year like no other has passed, a year like no other is about to approach, it gives a special poignancy to goal setting. And so I'm wondering if you've got a particular goal in mind that could be professional or personal, or even along the lines of what Nathan just mentioned, spending more time with people that you love and care about, what might that be? And again, with your permission, I'd like to kick that off.
5: Absolutely, Lou.
2: I think The goal setting for me revolves around getting out among the people in the industry. The last time I was at an industry event, it was in San Diego. A, love to travel. B, love to get out in front of new people and meet them and hear about what they're doing. And C, I got to be a moderator for a keynote panel. And that panel was an extraordinary opportunity to learn I think the dirty little secret for a podcast host is because I'm good at asking questions, it means I know the answers to those questions. I don't. And it's an experience like this with all of you on the podcast today where I learn a lot and I'm mentally taking notes and filing that on my learning curve. So that is really the thing that
1: I look forward to and want to do in 2021. This is Jerry Craft and I'll offer mine. And it is not only... The change you speak of, Lou, but it's a change of scenery, too. I think a lot of us sitting at home, and I'm in the high-risk group more than others. In my study, I noticed since March that the sun is in the trees, it's over the trees, and now it's down. I've never noticed that before, and I've lived here 29 years. So it's taking a pause of some of the smaller things in life that we have the opportunity to enjoy, and it's people. And you realize now that a large part of it was meeting the new people and the experiences. That was one reason I always enjoyed going to the office at the water cooler or in the hall to catch up and get a feel for people. And they will say things different to you there than in a professional setting. So it's in some ways going digital, but in other ways, it's still staying basic and being true to what you are and the goals that we have and I believe rather than setting a goal annually it's kind of like talking to people about their performance or my performance you don't do it once a year it's a daily occurrence and to make it a habit if you've got new year's resolution make it a habit now you don't have to wait to new year's I love that
0: hey Lou it's Bob my goal is to live in the new hybrid world because, like you, I can't wait to get back on airplanes and get out and network with people and travel. the same time, I don't think our Zooms are going away anytime soon. So it's going to be really interesting. Maybe we all don't have to travel three days every week. Maybe we can have a little bit better balance of doing the travel we really like and doing the rest of it still in front of our Zoom. But hopefully. thank God, not
2: as much. That's a huge advantage that came out of 2020 and I hope is leveraged into
3: 2021. Hello, this is Nathan. I'm with you. New Year's resolution, it always seemed to me that's silly to have an arbitrary reason to set goals. You should have goals all the time, whether it's the new year or any other time of year. (laughs) As the Z-Suite team and I have thought about next year, we have big goals. One of our core values is to serve. And obviously the biggest people that we're out to serve are our clients, which are banks and credit unions. And There's so much disruption, there's so many things going on, it's going so fast, we just want to do nothing but accelerate our ability to serve them better. So we have a lot of aggressive goals to be able to do that. On a personal standpoint, you know, there's no doubt that the stress of 2020 was real all across the board. I mean, you had health concerns for your own family, for yourself, but as well as for everyone that you worked with, your businesses, you know, didn't know what was going on there didn't know what was going on, you know, politically, there's just so many levels of stress. So because of that, I use that as a time to socially distance and go running. And that really uh, provided a great time for me to be able to clear my mind and work through some of that stress and process a lot of information. So I finally made a goal that before the end of the school year, so that's May, and I'm saying this super publicly, I have to run a marathon to get that done. And then after this podcast, I created a new goal, Lou, that's that uh, you and I have to have a jam session before the end of 2021.
2: (laughs) You are on, pal. And (laughs) as I like to say to some of my friends, I'll be your accountability buddy, which is an accountability buddy. (laughs) So (laughs) I will hold you to that marathon. This is Gabe. I'm looking forward to seeing
4: my daughter grow. She's seven months now and I'm uh, looking forward to trying to be the best dad I can be. Like others that said, you notice things more when you're stuck at home. It's been really great to watch her grow and see all her milestones personally that I would have missed if I'd have been at the office. Professionally, every major change creates new opportunity. And I remember when the late, great Bill Strunk told us at Bankview, we're now Casasa, but our name was Bankview, that we had lightning in a bottle with our original reward-checking product in 2005, and he was right. I think we've got the same lightning in a bottle with a loan product. Every FI that I know out there is going to be looking for high-quality loan volume, and to be able to increase total originations by 52% without marketing is pretty phenomenal. So I'm looking forward to getting that word out, obviously.
5: It's Joe, I guess, you know, to... Rounded out intentionality is one thing that I've really learned in this year. I mean, because as I think most everybody on the call, we've had more to do than we can possibly accomplish with everything that is going on with our companies and just being intentional. And I watched the documentary on Jimmy B just last night, and he talked about laugh, think and cry. And listening to you guys, it's so encouraging. I've reflected on that just since last night. And it's like good grief. It is an intentional thing to stop and think, you know, go on your run that you just described so you can clear your mind and think. It's an intentional thing to see the humor in things. And it is certainly an intentional thing to feel and cry. And so, you know, that hit me hard. You hear something over and over and over and then finally it resonates. And I think what made it resonate for me, the laugh, think, cry was 2020.
2: That's fantastic, Jill. And everybody, you have shared wonderful observations. I'm going to end with one thought, not only for all of you and for the audience, for me as well, and Jenny, who's sitting here, is that in 2020, one thing I learned is how precious a moment is, how precious life is. Jerry, when you talked about the sun coming up and then coming through the trees and going down, and Gabe, when you talked about being able to be around your young kid and see moments of preciousness that wouldn't otherwise be available because of work. I'm reminded of one thing is that in our lives, we spend more time at work than we do with our significant others, with our children. We may see much more of the manager at work or the person we manage than any of those people. And it was a rare opportunity this year for me to spend time around my kids. My son just entered college to watch him go through that transition and help him through it and do those things in a way that otherwise wouldn't have been possible. And that's a theme that came up here. For me, it's about have compassion for people, have concern and listen. The things that connect us ultimately are much stronger than the things that divide us or separate us. And I am going to double, triple, quadruple down on that this year. You'll all hold me accountable to that, I hope. And with that, if that wasn't (laughs) too much, I want to thank you all for being on this two-part podcast. It was phenomenal that you made the time and we had to use up a lot of your time today. So again, thanks so much.
3: Thank you. Thank you,
2: Thanks.
0: Thank
1: you very much. Thank you.
2: Oh, ho, ho, ho. how about a poem that incorporates all of our guests today on the podcast in honor of the season? Well, you're going to get it whether you want to or not. So here it is. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the bank, closed due to COVID, it wasn't a prank. The tellers all glued to their news feeds they stare in hopes that a vaccine soon would be there. The CEOs anxious awakened their beds while PPP paperwork danced in their heads. While out on the web there arose such a clatter, servers all crashing, now what is the matter? The fintechs stood tough. They knew just what to do. Seven years' growth in a weekend or two. I opened my eyes. Man, I should have guessed. Twas some fintech AI. And 11 superstar guests. But Santa stayed home with a stuffed COVID head. So he got a pinch hitter. The chair of the Fed. Smarter than podcast hosts. All of them came. Jerome Powell, he whistled and called them by name. On David, on Michael Ball, giddy up Todd. On Jill and on Marcy, on Bobin and Bob. On Nathan and Michael Witt. Listeners, too. On Gabe and on Jerry. Jenny and Lou. To the top of the lobby, the top of the vault. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. Rescue that branch before it's a relic. Lift up a toddy to dear Bankadelic. The old year is gone. Get it out of my sight. 2021 to all. And to all, a good night.
0: And Christmas time is born, and your bunny play is through, I'll bristling to you. All the best from me to you. When the beastie brag o' mutton to the heather and little hen, have you strutting out tether, to your arms once back again. Huck away.
2: Cadelic is a production of contrarian New media, London, Chicago, and Austin Texas.